Hello and welcome to Nomads You and I. I just got back from an amazing hike around the Grand Canyon and one of the highlights of my day was standing there, I think it's at Mather's View, and watching people see it for the first time and we made it to a certain view right when the sun was beginning to set and there's something about watching a sunset with a lot of other people that are as enthusiastic about it as you are and I don't know if there were 30 people there but it was so silent as everyone was watching the last few minutes of the sun going down and I put through my Bluetooth headphones the song Fall On Me by Andre Bocelli, and it was gorgeous. I wept. I wanted to come back and record this podcast. If you are a Christian and you are level 10 enthusiastic about this good stewardship of God's green earth, I am with you. And I don't know how Christians are not known worldwide for being the most outspoken for the conscientious stewardship of God's green earth. The reason I say that is because the very first thing that was given as an assignment to man was in Genesis 1:28, God blesses Adam and Eve and, you know, tells them to reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. And to be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and for every living thing that moves on the earth. So this is a divinely mandated thing from the get-go of creation. I also think about Job 38, 25 through 28 and Psalms 104, 27 through 30 that speak of God's nurture and care for his creation. Same thing with Psalms 104. It tells us that God created certain places with certain animals in mind. I mean, it naturally flows that the creator would give his people specifics around how to take good care of his handiwork, all that he created. And God gives details about how his people should compassionately care for their domestic animals, as well as respect the wildlife and not just animals. It's interesting that in Leviticus 25, 1 through 12, that he gives the specifics of how Israel was to take care of their land that he had granted them. And in Isaiah 5, 8 through 10, he judges those who disobey and instead misuse it. So God cares about these things. And as God's children, I think it's important that we also care about what God cares about. I find it very interesting that after Jesus miraculously multiplies out of thin air five barley loaves and two fish until 5,000 men and their families are completely full, what do you make of the fact that even with food this accessible by the Son of God, he then says to his disciples this, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. This is in John 6, 9 through 12. I mean, obviously, our attitude toward our resources has never been about like, ah, oh, there's more where that came from. It's never been like that. The point has always been that it is dead wrong to unnecessarily waste one's resources. So it's not that we are to become obsessive, compulsive, and kind of nutso. Obviously, one can get carried away with this line of thinking and put plants and animals on the same level in value as people. So it is possible to become unbalanced in this 
to the detriment of humankind. But what we're saying is that we can do better and that there are plenty of ways that we can have more foresight about avoiding the creation of unnecessary waste in our lives. I think another principle at play here is in Matthew seven twelve when he says, In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. So this is going to include future generations who will only have the resources on the earth and the condition that we leave behind. I just want to say thank you for those who are going into the environmental sciences right now and other fields. There's all kinds of fields that address good earth stewardship and your efforts in helping us learn how to use the earth's resources for the good of mankind. Like without dumping, for example, 134 million gallons of life-destroying oil into the ocean or how to remove coal from a mountain without blowing the entire top off, or how to deal with industrial waste before the waste occurs instead of after air, water, and soil are filled with toxins. Thank you, thank you for the work you do in that area if you're involved in that. Because good stewardship has always been important to God. We see this in Luke 12. This is especially true of things that are spiritual and eternal, but are not limited to such. You know, the child of God is motivated often by something else than perhaps an unbeliever would be motivated by when it comes to stewarding the resources of the planet. For the believer, they would agree with William Cowper, who said, quote, nature is but a name of an effect whose cause is God. So when the believer looks at nature, the believer sees the handiwork of God and can say along with the psalmist in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. When I was looking at the Grand Canyon today, it reminded me of Heschel's quote when he said that the grandeur of nature is only the beginning. Beyond the grandeur is God. The fact that the planet belongs to God is reason alone for believers. Christians have cared about earth stewardship as a way to honor the creator, whether or not any headlines of scientific research indicate that the earth is not doing so well. Children of God do not need that as a motivation. Even if all evidences pointed to that the earth was doing fabulous, the children of God still have an obligation to take good, good care of God's creation. Author Francis A. Schaefer reminds his readers about how the Christian has a reason for dealing with each created thing with a high level of respect because we love God. We love the one who made it. Loving the one who made it, we have respect for the thing he has made. Here's what Francis Schaefer says. He says, quote, The value of things is not in themselves autonomously, but that God made them, and thus they deserve to be treated with high respect. The tree in the field is to be treated with respect. It is not to be romanticized as if it had feelings. When you drive the axe into the tree, when you need firewood, you are not cutting down a person, you are cutting down a tree. But... While we should not romanticize the tree, we must realize God made it. And it deserves respect because he has made it a tree, unquote. 
Even back in the time of Augustine, people were tempted because of the beauty of the earth to worship the earth instead of worshiping God. He speaks figuratively here, and he says, When I asked the earth, it responded, I am not God. When I asked the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, they said, Nor are we the Father you seek. I said, Speak to me of my God. Loudly they exclaimed, It is he who made us the heavens, the earth, and everything that is in them. All these things tell me to love you. It was you, O Lord, who created the heavens and earth. They are beautiful because you are beautiful. They are good because you are good. They have come to be because you are. Another very famous man who loved God and also loved good earth stewardship was, of course, John Muir. He writes some beautiful, beautiful things about nature and what he observed out in nature. And one of them is this quote, the radiance in some places is so great as to be fairly dazzling. Keen lance rays of every color flashing, sparkling in glorious abundance joining the plants in their fine, brave beauty work. Every crystal, every flower, a window opening into heaven, a mirror reflecting the creator. I think that really goes along with Romans 1, where we're told, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that we are without excuse for not acknowledging God as the ultimate creator of jaw-dropping beauty. I think it's interesting that many attitudes forbidden by God for, for his children would preclude faithful children of God from damaging the planet. I mean, sin itself does more damage to the planet than anything else because sin at its root is the wasting of our resources. I mean, fornication spreads STDs. That's a waste of sexual intimacy and inherently wastes resources because, for starters, children go fatherless. Drunkenness wastes lives due to drunk driving and when children go hungry because money's being wasted on such vices. So, so again, sin is the epitome of the wasting of resources. And more specifically, when it comes to stewarding God's green earth, greed is often at the root. The Industrial Revolution has made life exponentially more comfortable for all of us. But let's not, in the course of making a quick dollar, are like nightmare renters who turn the most gorgeous piece of architecture they are renting into a condemned trash heap just because we're in too big a hurry to make as much money as possible and have not given proper attention to the steps we need to take to keep from destroying our environment. Even though it's been proven to be the best economical system ever, short-sightedness and selfishness can make capitalism look bad when business practices are just always grabbing, grabbing, grabbing to maximize profits at any cost. Again, capitalism is the greatest idea, but we need to practice it conscientiously and without greed. The other thing is our tolerance for planned obsolescence. I mean, if you're an inventor of new products, please don't make them so that they will break sooner 
and then need to be replaced. This planned obsolescence is based on pure greed and is unnecessarily quickly filling the landfills with garbage. You hear people say, oh, we don't make them like they used to. Right. That is legitimate. And it's because companies would rather you buy 12 dishwashers with plastic parts over your lifetime than two dishwashers with metal parts. We have the knowledge to know how to make quality materials and need to buy from companies that are conscientious about these things. I think the sin that I've seen more often than not that ruins an environment is honestly the sin of disbelief. We have noticed as we've traveled and as we observe the moral decline before we left Portland, Oregon, that has taken it like many cities that used to be so beautiful to what now looks like in many places like a third world country buried in garbage and smelling like an outhouse. And of course, that's not just Portland. We've noticed after visiting 43 states these past two years that poor stewardship runs directly parallel to the increase of liberal politics that trash the earth. It all starts with the biggest root lie of all, and that goes something like this. Science disproves the evidence of God's existence. Then it follows that there is no right or wrong or any meaning to life or hope for the future. And since there is no right or wrong, meaning or hope, there is certainly no answering to a God for our actions. And thus, there's no real reason to deny yourself whatever feels good, whether it's drugs and such, instead of working. And if this makes you hit rock bottom, we'll give you free needles and anything else you need. And that's when tent cities are born in one of the most prosperous nations that have ever existed. So in what ways can we exercise our dominion over the planet while imitating the virtuous character of God? I think a good place to start is 1 Corinthians 4.12, where it says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Another quality that results in good earth stewardship is mercy. Jesus said in Matthew 5.7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We need to have mercy on the creation. This is especially true when it comes to something God talks about in Proverbs 12:10. It says, quote, a righteous person cares even about the life of his animals, but the compassion of the wicked people is nothing but cruelty, unquote. In other words, you don't put them in pain so that you can be lazy. Or you don't have too many chickens or other animals in too small a space so that they are living on top of each other. Here's another thing you've probably seen. Too often, people who claim to love animals the most hoard more of them than they are, can afford to take care of medically. We must be honest with ourselves when an animal tugs at our heartstrings. Ask ourselves, am I really the most resourced person to give this animal what he really needs? Or is there another way that I can help it connect with someone who really can help this animal? Because the thing is, God cares. We can see this in the scriptures when Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground aside from your father's care, unquote. God cares. 
it's just really important that we care and that we raise children that care. I remember during the course of homeschooling our children, it was important to us to teach them that God has given us animals for our use and food and clothing and so forth, but that at the same time during their life on earth, we're supposed to treat these animals just as God has treated us mercifully. Part of their curriculum was a poem called Kindness to Animals that started off with little children never give pain to things that feel and live. So our children are going to see us, for example, undertake necessary pest control from time to time. And as they observe that, we need to help them see the difference so that we can remove out of our children's hearts any twisted delight or pleasure in the torture of living things and teach them how we only take the life of living things by necessity or otherwise walk around the creatures that are not harming us and allowing them to live out their existence. So what other specific virtues has God instructed us to grow in our lives that play out one way or another toward our carefully maintaining our planet? And how might those virtues play out in our day-to-day habits and behaviors? I think one virtue that is at play here is that we are to be forward thinking. In being forward thinking, we must not kill the golden goose to sell it to a restaurant to serve for dinner, so to speak. That would not be forward thinking. How can we be more forward thinking? We could really think when we're at the grocery store, what are we actually going to eat? And challenge ourselves to do our best to eat the food that we buy. A lot of people are forward thinking when they avoid disposable type products and instead take the time to wash dishes instead of throw away plastics and papers. Others buy products with less packaging or they use a cloth bag at the grocery store. More practical ideas around these lines that some are finding both earth-friendly and convenient is to see if your company will let you attend a meeting remotely instead of flying in or driving in. Some might wonder about what we do as we're living nomadically to make earth-friendly choices. One thing we did was that we bought a Class B RV that gets about 18 miles to the gallon. And last year, we did not drive any more than we had driven in all the years that we were not living nomadically. And that really surprised us. We also don't use paper products except TP and paper towels. We avoid water bottles and use instead insulated hydro flasks. When we're waiting for our water to heat up to do our dishes by hand, we collect the colder water and put it in our filtered water pitcher. Other ideas, if you also live nomadically, we try to hit areas that will be somewhat around 70 degrees. And when it's hotter than we expected, we'll put our shades down to try to use less AC. So a few other specific virtues that God instructs us to grow in our lives that can also play out in this area of stewarding with thoughtfulness God's creation is really just appreciation. Like, thank you for this blessing, God. I'll take good care of it. Faithful Christians have listened to God's instructions around caution when it comes to earth stewardship. That might look like if I do the sacrificial thing, I'll be glad I did it later. There might be discretion. Let's save now so that we will be okay if we need more later. We are taught as Christians to have self-control. 
This helps us take better care of God's green earth. As we think to ourselves, you know what? I'll refrain now from buying this or that. Also, the virtue of industry, of course, plays into good earth stewardship. Because you know what? It takes time to do the right thing. Whether it's carpooling or public transportation or bicycling or walking to work, recycling takes work. But God has told us to have industry. It takes a little more work to go around and unplug things that are using electricity unnecessarily or to turn off our lights as a habit. Composting takes diligence, gardening, planting trees, etc. Even contentment, when we realize the more we oversatiate ourselves by gathering more and more of what we don't need, instead of thinking, you know what, what I have is enough. Frugality is a godly principle that help Christians take better care of the earth. We might ask ourselves, what's a less costly way of doing this? I think there's a great example here of the young families who create special experiences for their children rather than showering them with lots of presents on holidays. Frugality is also expressed by buying things that are secondhand or buying only what we will use. Even just borrowing things that we're not going to need except on very rare occasions and repurposing items that still have life in them. And lastly, the virtue of awareness goes a long way toward taking care of God's green earth. It can begin with the idea of, hey, I already know what I have because what I have is in order so I don't accidentally purchase all kinds of things that I didn't realize that I already have. Here's something I was made aware of only recently. If I started eating chicken instead of beef for one year, I will not only have better cholesterol, I would reduce carbon dioxide emissions by 882 pounds. That's interesting. The awareness of kind of flooring it when you're driving wastes gasoline. Washing your car on the lawn saves water. Letting your grass grow longer is not only friendly for the bees, but it also is better for the air. Programmable thermostats save energy, as does wearing fuzzy socks and sweaters in the winter. Here's something I was just made aware of as well. Computers with an Energy Star label will save 35 to 65% in energy use. And I didn't realize this, laptops use much less energy than a desktop computer. And the Department of Energy suggests that you turn off your monitor if you aren't going to be using your PC for more than 20 minutes and to turn off your CPU and monitor if you're not going to use your PC for more than two hours. So that was kind of a helpful guideline. Often in my podcasts, I have a focus around eternal matters, and that is because one soul is worth more than the whole world. So that is still what matters most. And yet, even if someone wanted to argue that intentional good stewardship of the physical planet is a little thing, my prayer for each and every one who is listening to this podcast is that they will hear Jesus say one day to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will put you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And thank you for doing what you do to care for God's green earth.